Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast ready to talk about some jakes. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother with the arm strength of Jacob Eason. Oh yeah, that's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, with the arm strength of Jake Browning. Oh, what a dud. <laughs> uh, that's Trey Newman. <laughs> All right, this is our Pac-12 North preview episode. One of the more competitive divisions in all of college football, so should be a good one. But before we start, quick reminder, follow us on Instagram, at College Football Bros, on Twitter, at CFB Bros, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Bros. But let's get right into the Pac-12 North and start with a game of Call Me Crazy. So go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I'll lead us off here. So Call Me Crazy, but I think the Pac-12 will be left out of the playoff for the third straight year. So if you look at it kind of realistically, really only Oregon, UW, and Utah have a fighting chance. Everybody else would be a, an extreme, extreme long shot. Yeah. So, But the issue for those teams is really only Oregon... I think has a decent chance to get in with a loss because they do play Auburn. It it would require Auburn to have a really good year to help boost that strength of schedule for the Ducks. But if you look at Utah and UW, they have weak non-conferences. So it's a loss is pretty much going to kill them. I, I don't think they could come back from it. So I I think they're going to get left out again. Yeah, I don't think you're you're crazy at all here. You, you did bring up the two teams, Oregon and Washington. They have the highest odds to make the playoff, according to the betting market right now. And they're each... Well, let me ask you guys, what percent do you think chance they have to make the playoff? Ooh, man. They're the same. Okay, so I'm going to say... They're the same, yeah. According to the betting market again. I'm going to say 15%. All right, Trey, go over or under? Under. Ryan, you nailed it exactly. 15%. Oh, man. So Trey had what no is chance. going on? <laughs> You're good at predicting things, Ryan. Anyway. Yeah, thank that you. That bodes well for our over-unders here. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and, and you know, maybe you say maybe Utah has a puncher's chance too, but. I don't know. You're you're not getting to 50%. You're not getting no. that high among all the Pac-12 teams. So, yeah, I think they're an underdog to make it. Yeah, I agree, Michael. That Ryan, you're not crazy. I just don't see anyone going unbeaten in this league. And if anyone did, looking at the schedules, I think maybe only Utah. But I just, again, I don't, I don't see it happening. So I kind of knew you guys wouldn't call me crazy when I said this. But like, if I would have said this three years ago, I you would for saying that for the following three years they wouldn't make the the, the playoff, then you would have said I'm insane. Oh, for sure. Probably, yeah. yeah. Especially with Washington on the rise back then. And at the time, USC was still good. So Right. They were very relevant. Yep. Right. So it's just kind of crazy that it might, might be three years in a row. Okay. Next one. Call me crazy, but I think the Oregon offensive line sucks. No, I'm not going to say <laughs> sucks, but I'm going to say it's overrated. So a lot of people, of course, are calling it the best in the country. And I get that they have great individual talent. And last year... Maybe their stats were hurt a little bit by the loss of Penny Sewell at left tackle midway through the year, but still, they were 63rd in S&P Plus rushing, 66th in yards per carry. They just weren't a very good running team. So at this point, I would trust 
you know, maybe Georgia's offensive line, even Clemson and Alabama over the Ducks. So I think you're just semi crazy. I think people are just so attached to the fact that they have so much continuity, which is rare. Like they have, they have a lot of guys coming back and three of them that are going to be there entering their fourth year to start. You just don't see that nowadays. So I think they're, they're kind of latching onto that, but I agree on, on Georgia. I would trust them way more. They have more depth and maybe even it's a, a stretch, but if you just look in terms of statistics, like a team like army, they dominate the offensive line because they, uh, they, uh, they block for the run. So I, I don't, I think you're just semi crazy. Uh, I'm going to say that you're not crazy. It's just because of what you guys were saying. I mean, if you looked at their rushing statistics last year, CJ Verdell was, you know, by far their leading rusher and he only averaged like five yards a carry, which in the NFL, that's good. But in college football, that's pretty pedestrian. So yeah. How could you say this is the best? I mean, they're good. They're and they're going to be better than last year, uh, but I don't see them as the best in the country. All right, guys, it's it's my turn. Call me crazy, but Washington receiver Aaron Fuller will finish in the top two for receiving yards in the Pac-12, along with Lavisca Chenault. So, last year Fuller was seventh in the in the conference. Now, I know Chenault is a beast, and he'll put up his numbers, so he probably won't out outgain him. But when you look at Washington, I think Eason is an upgrade over Browning. We'd probably maybe all agree on that. And with the Huskies losing Miles Gaskin, they're not going to be able to fully rely on a run game, so they might rely more on the, the arm of Eason. And with their defense being slightly down compared to last year, they might have more opportunities with the ball. Um, you know, I know there's other guys in the Pac-12, but I really liked what I saw from Fuller uh, towards the end of last year. I'm going to go ahead and say that you're crazy. Top <laughs> two is, is uh, that's tough, especially when you've got uh, a lot of competition to deal with. I mean, you shouldn't yes, but then you got Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State. He was second last year, and he was only a sophomore. And Jake Luton comes back at Oregon State, so I think he's going to probably increase his output. And then I think one of USC's trio, I mean, they have a bunch there that are really, really good. But if I had to say one of them, I'd probably go with Pittman, Michael Pittman. I think he's probably going to be the leader there. Yeah, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Take your pick, who knows. But I think he'll be, for all, probably be about fourth or fifth. Yeah, I'm going to say you're crazy as well. There's, it, it could happen. Fuller could finish in that top two, but I just think that it's unlikely given that there's so many guys competing for that second spot. Yes, Chenault's head and shoulders the best receiver, but it's kind of a bunch of guys right, right behind him. And I actually looked at Fantrax college fantasy football rankings. They have eight Pac 12 receivers ahead of Aaron Fuller. So, wow. Ooh. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, again, like, a lot of them are bunched up. It's not like Aaron Fuller is way behind yeah. all those guys. But um, but yeah, that's why I'm saying you're crazy. And also, I'll kind of disagree. I think Washington is going to run the ball a lot. Salvin Ahmed, I think, is going to be great. They've got a really good offensive line. And Browning, as much as you know, as much crap as he gets, he was actually 23rd in the country last year in passing yards. So it's going to be tough for Eason to get much more than that. Yeah, that's true. Fine, just rain on that, that parade. <laughs> we will no i mean i like fuller i think he's gonna have a big year but... no i get i get it yeah okay let's get into our tiered rankings now we've got the contenders dark horses and long shots in the pack 12 north so ryan who's our first contender okay so our first contender is the oregon ducks uh and their over-unders being set at eight and a half with the over being the favorite at minus 140 
The Ducks have a lot of returning talent. 19 players have started games, so 19 returning starters coming off of a team that won nine games last year. So things are looking good. Maybe that's why Justin Herbert decided to come back for his for his senior year because he knew it could potentially be a special year. Uh, we already touched quite a lot of bit on on the O line and running back. You got CJ Verdell and the receivers. That's the question mark for for this team that that position. Now they lost Dylan Mitchell, which is pretty much their only real significant loss on that side of the ball. But they do replace him with the Penn State transfer, Juwan Johnson, who should start right away as well. Yeah. And then they recruited really well this past year. They have three freshmen that were four-star wide receivers that were really, really highly recruited. So maybe Micah Pittman might be the leader in that case because he was there for spring. Uh, so if you look at what they got all on offense, it looks great. And then defensively, they were they were pretty solid last year. They weren't amazing, but I like the fact that they're bringing in Andy Avalos from Boise. He's a little bit more aggressive so i think the defense is going to really uh take a little bit of a jump especially for a guy like troy die he is a playmaker at linebacker so i think his this style will kind of suit him better um yeah troy die troy die has led the oregon in tackles for three straight years so he's wow that's crazy looking to make it four yeah I, I'm, I'm sure he will because he's an absolute stud so and then i you know i think uh, where they struggled a little bit also last year was their secondary but they have a couple of returning corners, a returning safety. So I, I, I like the Ducks this year. I'm going to go ahead and say they they go over that eight and a half. I'm I'm just not not feeling the feeling the Ducks as much. I mean, the the last time we saw them, they won one of the ugliest bowl games I've ever seen in the Red Box Bowl against Michigan State. And <laughs> sorry, Braden, but you know the Ducks they underachieved a little bit last year. You know, yeah, they did have that super recruiting class that you mentioned, Ryan. Um, but, you know, we'll see if that pays any dividends for for this upcoming season. So the one thing about Justin Herbert, people love the fact that, yeah, he came back and he could have been a top five pick. But if you look at how he played against top 40 opponents last year, he did not fare that that all that well at all. And not to mention this upcoming year, they have a pretty tough schedule, at least compared to the other contenders in the Pac-12. So he's really going to have to up his performance in those those upper tier games that they play. Now, the, on the defensive side, there's, the stats are a little bit skewed. They, they allowed a lot of yards and third down conversions, but they had a great defense in the red zone. So we'll see if that comes into play this year. And I don't know if, you know, losing their their coordinator... Levitt, now they're they're going to a new guy. That's that's a little bit of a transition too. So that might be tough. Yeah, I thought Ryan was a little little rose colored glasses there with you know Jim Levitt. He was one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. That's I don't know. I don't see yeah, that. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to spin it in my way here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so bit. bottom line, I think Oregon might be a little overhyped. Their tough games are away from Otson. So I'm gonna go under. Yeah, I'm I'm going under too. I they're obviously gonna be better than last year because of, of all they have and they won nine games last year they well they won eight in the regular season that's what we're talking about here and they had <laughs> a really easy non-conference schedule so i was ready for, yeah. ready for that one ryan that's true that last year's non-conference was a i mean it was a joke so that's true yeah so with auburn there that's that's yeah. another potential loss but you know i i have some concerns about the offense because i just don't trust marcus arroyo as an offensive coordinator they underachieved last year they should have been better they had you know what maybe is the number one quarterback in the country, great offensive line, but they were 30th in Massey Peabody's rankings in offense. So that'll, that'll take a jump forward with what they have coming back, but I don't think it's it's like the best offense in the country. And then 
the defense, they need to find a pass rush. They were 100th last year in sack percentage, and they lose Jalen Jelks and Justin Hollins from that front seven. Now, Ryan, you look like you're about to say someone's Kayvon name. Kayvon Thibodeau. Yes. Uh. <laughs> yes, Kayvon Thibodeau. He could be the guy. True freshman, of course, coming in, one of the top recruits in the country. Maybe he provides that pass rush, but... Still, I'm I'm a little bit lower on Oregon than everyone else. I have enough concerns to go under eight and a half. All right. Fair enough. All right. Our next team that we're going to talk about, our next contender is Washington. The Huskies, their over under is nine and a half with the over also being minus 140. So I'm I'm excited to see what what Eason can do and if he can make this offense look a little bit better compared to what it did with with Browning. Uh, he has one of the best receiving corps in in the conference coming back. We we talked about Aaron Fuller, Michael. You you sound pretty high on Ahmed, so he he has, but he has some big shoes to fill in in Gaskin. So we'll see the offensive yeah. line. They're experienced. They're huge. Not to mention, some people forget that they are returning all conference. Trey Adams, who had to miss almost all of last year. So Eason really doesn't have that many excuses to rely on. So he he better be productive now defensively this is where they hurt they they lose a lot of their production only a third of it returns but they've consistently turned out good defense after good defense under chris peterson so i don't expect a dramatic drop off there uh you've got guys like safety miles bryant he's gonna lead that that back end but they're gonna need some new young guys to fill some of the voids from from last season yeah now the huskies they have a not a cupcake non-conference schedule don't don't tell Chris Peterson that. <laughs> but uh, outside of their game at, at Stanford, they do get USC, Oregon, Utah, and Wazoo at home. So I like the Huskies to go over. Yeah, I'm typically always high on Washington. I have picked them to go to the playoff the last two years. And despite all the losses you know they had you mentioned off that defense tray i mean let's let's name them ben burkirvan at linebacker in the secondary really that's where they got hit hard byron murphy taylor rapp jojo mcintosh there's just a ton of guys gone but there's still there's still a lot to like and you say under chris peterson that the defense is always good well more specifically under jimmy lake and pete kwiatkowski they develop players so well on that side of the ball they've been recruiting really well the last few years so i agree i i think the defense will be solid and you mentioned all the great pieces they have on offense. Even though I am lower on Jacob Eason, I've been talking down Jacob Eason for the entire offseason. His freshman year at Georgia, I just don't think was very good. 6.6 yards per attempt, 55% completions. Not all that promising. But despite that, I'm going to trust the coaching staff, trust the recent recruiting. I'm going over. You got yeah, you I'm, you guys got the rose colored glasses for UW for sure. I I don't have it right now. I'm I'm going to go under on UW and you you guys mentioned the offense and solid receivers whatever whatnot and but I don't see a playmaker out there really and that's you what love I, the Washington playmaker I know I'm telling you man touch. where's John Ross right where's, John, where's Ross? John Ross I don't see a John Ross here do you <laughs> I they don't struggle getting the ball down the field I really do they have not they they're they've been efficient the last couple of years but not explosive they're getting Hunter Bryant back healthy at tight end he could be a big playmaker he could, but is he a true deep threat like John Ross? <laughs> He's not John Ross. Oh, He's not John Ross. <laughs> not, Are you going to pick under until somebody by the name of John Ross is on the team? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Until they have a true deep threat, I, I'm just not going to buy it. And you know my opinion on Jacob Eason. I'm just not. Hey, hey, maybe they did have deep threats. It's just Jake Browning couldn't throw it to them. 
Uh, probably that probably is a little <laughs> bit of the of the truth there, but yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Defensively, you guys are I feel like over or underestimating how much that's going to hurt losing all that talent. I know they produce good players there. They have great defensive coordinator. They really develop players well, but they're going to be relying on a redshirt freshman at nose tackle. That's that's tough. I mean, I'm going to try to say his name. Okay. You know, they have so many Samoans there, so I'm going to try to say this name. Tuli Leitu Legasanoa. Okay. It sounded fluent at least, right? You. It sounded good to me. I don't know if it's right, but... Yeah, it didn't sound too bad. So, with that up front... I mean, they've been known to have some studs up there in the in the front, freeing up their linebackers to make plays. So I have my concerns about the defense. They're going to be solid, but they are not going to be what they have in the last couple of years. So I'm going, I'm going under. Okay, our next contender is Washington State. Their season win total is set at eight. The over is a slight favorite at minus 120. So at quarterback, it's most likely going to be FCS All-American grad transfer Gage Gubrud from Eastern Washington. He hasn't quite locked down the job because he had an ankle injury in the spring, but I think he's going to be the guy. And I think he's going to be really good because it's more or less the same talent around him that Gardner Minshew had. The receiving core is stacked and he got Mike Leach. Offense is is going to be just fine. Now, the defense did just lose their best player at safety. Jalen Thompson went into the supplemental draft because of a failed PED test. That hurts, but... Still, the defense has been getting better over the years. It's a lot better than it used to be in, you know, early in Leach's tenure. So I like the team. The problem is the road schedule. They've got Washington, Oregon, Houston in the non-conference with Derek King. That's a tricky one. And then Utah. So even though I like Washington State, it's hard for me to see nine and three with that schedule. I'm going under. Yeah, this one was tough for me. I was like right on the line. I think I'm thinking eight and four. That's where I truly think they'll they'll kind of sit at, but I'm I'm not going to underestimate Leach anymore. I mean, after what they've done the past couple of years has been very very impressive, and I really like the offense. I mean they they lose they lose three key guys. They they lose their left tackle Andre Dillard, mm-hmm. the running back James Williams, and then you know the Minshew of course. But at running back, I think they're going to be fine. Max Borgie, he's coming back. He proved to be a, a good playmaker last year. He had a ton of catches out of the backfield, so he's going to be really good. Uh, and the offensive line returns their four other starters. So I'm not worried about the offense at all. I think they could potentially just be as efe- as efficient as last year, maybe slightly even better. So the question is, how f- about that defense? And <sighs> Jalen Thompson hurts a lot because he was the star of their secondary. And I was th- I was going to go nine and three for sure if they had Jalen Thompson as soon as I heard that news I was like oh it's gonna be hard to say that now yeah were you pooping when you heard it or yeah a little constipated these days Mike <laughs> <laughs> okay but yeah uh I think the, the strength though of that defense is going to be with their at their linebacking core with they have three juniors in line to start kind of led by Jihad Woods and up front I think they're going to be all right, too. They got to transfer a big nose tackle from West Virginia, um, Lamonte McDougal. He redshirted last year, so he was able to learn the system. Yeah, I think he could make a big impact up front, kind of free up those linebackers. So He was a freshman All-American at West Virginia. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't think they're going to be amazing on D, but I think they'll be pretty much comparable to last year. So, yeah, I think they're going to have a very similar year as last year. Maybe not quite as good, but I'm going to, I'm going to say they go over. I just, I'm just not trusting Wazoo enough right now. Uh, you know, that was about as good of a season as the Cougs could have had last year outside of the, the way they finished against UW. You know, 
Gabrud will probably mesh well with Leach. Uh, all the quarterbacks tend to. They do return five of the top six receivers, so I think the production on offense will probably still be the same. I love Borgie in the backfield. He's he's fun to watch. The defense is what really kind of scares me. I like Tracy Clays, but I was reading that they had to sign four JUCO DBs in this class alone because they just don't have the depth in the secondary, so that really kind of scared me. And Michael, like you mentioned, that tough that tough slate on the road. I just don't I don't see it happening, so I'm going to go under as well. Okay, guys, let's move on to our last contender here. We have the Stanford Cardinal. Their over-under is being set at 6.5, and, and the over is the favorite at minus 140. Not a whole lot of returning talent here for, for Stanford. There's definitely some question marks going on here for, for, for Shaw. Obviously, the big surprise last year for Stanford was that they just couldn't run the ball. I mean, even with Bryce Love, I know he was banged up a little bit, but they really, really couldn't move the ball on the ground, so they relied heavily on their passing game, uh, and they had very good, very good receiving core. Arcega Whiteside was a great receiver, as was Trenton Irwin, and then tight end Caton Smith. He was awesome as well. Their three leading receivers, all those guys, are all gone, so that's really, really going to hurt. Just three returning starters all on the offense com- combined, that's I'm just not expecting a good year from that from that offense, but they do have a couple of good good tackles. I'll give them that. Foster Serrell uh, and Walker Little, they are elite-type talent there. So they at least have that, but I just don't think K.J. Costello is going to have near the year he did. And when you talk about their defense, they gave up quite a few yards last year, 78th in the nation at yards given up, but just 37th in scoring. So they tightened up in the red zone for sure. Uh, but I just, I don't think they're going to be as good. They lose their top two tacklers and they just don't have the, especially at linebacker, they're going to be really, really young. They're going to be relying on a couple of freshmen there. So I don't know. I'm just not seeing it from, from Stanford this year. I'm going to have to go under. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to agree here. To me, it seems like Stanford kind of isn't Stanford anymore. Like every year since 2015, they've been sliding back just a little bit in most computer ratings and defensively, Yes, they were young last year. They had uh, played a lot of young guys, so there's reason to think they should improve. But they've been mediocre for a couple years now in the defense, so I'm not too optimistic on that side of the ball. Even with a guy like Paulson Adebo, who's a you know potential All American corner. Yeah, he's their one stud back there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I agree with your take on the offense. Just all the receivers gone. I know Colby Parkinson. He's a great tight end. That's yeah. one good target for for Costello. But otherwise, I, I think he's going to regress. So yeah, with all those question marks, I got a and a brutal schedule. Not to yeah. mention Northwestern at UCF and Notre Dame is their non conference. So I'm going under. So Ryan, you touched on on how bad the running game is or was. Where do you guys think Stanford ranked in the Pac-12 in rushing last year? Oof, it in, was pretty bad. Um, yeah, like over, like total yards. No, no, no. Where did they? Yeah, where did they rank in rushing in the conference? I, uh, I will say, well, who would have been worse than them? Hmm. I'm going to say they were twelfth. Okay, I'll, I'll go. Well, I have to go over. I'll, I'll say they were better than twelfth. So they finished eleventh. I, I, I mean, you were I, Ryan. You were all over it. I just, I mean, Michael, you obviously ended up getting it, but I just don't. I can't believe I know Bryce Love struggled, but they were 11th out of 12. That just blows my mind. You know, you watched you watched a lot of their offense and you'd see KJ Costello just kind of throw a jump ball up to our Sega Whiteside. And yeah, he won't really be able to do that this year. You guys also didn't mention Osiris St. Brown. That's a they have a he's a pretty good target. So he's not our Sega Whiteside, but he's he's at least decent. Um, 
They're also going to need Cameron Scarlett to run the ball better if they want to have any chance to have more success on on the offense. They're going to return Jet Toner as kicker, so that's going to provide some some confidence in the kicking game and hopefully some <laughs> great name, great name at the very least. Yeah, he's got he's got the name for it for he's, sure. Yeah, he does have a great name. But when the over under at six and a half, I I really wanted to go under on Stanford, but six and a half just seemed low. I've, I'm not high on Shaw, but I think they're going to be able to hold their head above water in some of those that early slate. So I think they just get over. Yeah, you're right to bring up how how low that total is. It's kind of shocking to see at first for Stanford it is. because yeah, they haven't been anywhere close to that to that low uh, for several years. But yeah, it's a product of the schedule and just the team, you know regressing the last couple years a little bit sure uh okay now it's time for our dark horses and there's just one dark horse trey who's that so yeah our dark horse here is the cow bears their over under is set at six with the under being favored at minus 145 so the question comes down to can the golden bears do anything on offense they were 118th in offensive s&p plus last year 118th. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> it's pretty that, bad. It's pretty bad. I mean, and and as we all know, it it kind of looked worse in the Cheez It Bowl. If and we've harped on that, but luckily, Wilcox will be able to rely again on a really good defense as they return 13 contributors. Linebacker Evan Weaver, he's the best player returning. He had 159 tackles last year. That to me, that's an insane number. The secondary returns almost everyone from a unit that ranked second in the nation in interceptions. They've got defensive end Luke Beckett coming back. He's the key returnee. I'm going to let you guys kind of maybe rosy up the offense because I wouldn't really do a good job at that if you can. Now, why are you giving us like the most difficult job? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm not, Thanks. I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. Wow. So. As much as I love the defense, I really don't trust the offense enough against the schedule, especially when their road games are include Washington, Ole Miss, Oregon, Utah, and Stanford. It's just a brutal slate, so it's an under for me, but maybe you guys see some improvement on offense? I don't see them getting worse on offense. <laughs> um, that's so. That's a good thing, right? Uh, okay, the offense is hard to really put a, a rosy picture of, but I'm going to try. Chase Garbers was a freshman last year. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I think he'd. There you go. The news out of spring was that he was much more confident and looked a lot better. So, that's good. They did get Devin Modster, the transfer from UCLA. Um, he'll be comp- competing for the job, but I don't, I think it's, it's, it sounds like it's Garbers to lose. Yeah. Supposedly, Garbers is the big favorite, but I actually liked what I saw from Modster a couple years ago. I know he didn't play very much, but the limited time he did, he played well. So, yeah, I mean, there's at least going to be a decent backup instead of, what was it, Brandon McIlwain? Or, he yeah, was, McIlwain, they're kind of... He was horrible. He's, he's not even listed as a quarterback on their depth yeah, chart anymore. He, sh- he should not be a quarterback. He's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was bad. He was Uh-oh. bad. He was Uh-oh. bad. Uh-oh. He might be the Kellen Mond this year. <laughs> but he's a good athlete. So, uh, so yes, Garber should be should be better. The problem is, who is he going to throw it to? Uh, they lost Patrick Laird, their really good running back that they had. He, he actually caught a lot of balls out of the backfield last year. He's gone. Conaway Noah was a tough receiver for them. He transferred to Nebraska, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> their receiving uh, core is yeah, just... Yeah, they also lost Nick Wharton and Mo Ways from the receiving core. It's, so it's... Uh, wide receiver is a major, major issue for yeah, them. Yeah, a huge, um, huge weakness. Yeah. 
The offensive line will get better, though. They have three returning starters, and they were all sophomores last season, so you would think they would get better. Um, yeah, that's about all I can really say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you did a better job than I could. I, yeah. You know, Cal has just basically become bizarro Texas Tech. Amazing defense and amazingly bad offense, and I think you can kind of just pencil them in for about 500 every year. Um I I just don't have much positive to say. I I think drawing arguably the four toughest teams from the Pac-12 South is going to lead to an under. I think they're going to go five and seven. I actually I didn't give my prediction here. Um, oh, I I, I was yeah, I kind of forgot. I'm actually going to call me crazy, but <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> I'm going to take over on Cal. Uh, I mean the offense can't be any worse. And as long as to me the the D line is the only question mark I have for the defense a little bit. Uh, but luckily they do have some experience there um so as long as they they, they kind of stay short up I, I i think they're going to do just enough to get to seven wins potentially i think they're going to go six and six but the odds that you get are so much better for taking the over on that i think it's up to like plus 165 if you take the over so plus 125 oh excuse me well <laughs> Yeah, now it's not so good sticking with it sorry <laughs> okay it's fair no maybe i uh didn't talk enough about the positives with the defense the secondary trey you brought it up but cameron bynum elijah hicks one of the better cornerback duos ashton davis and jalen hawkins at safety it is they have ball hawks it's them or lsu i feel like for the best secondary in the country yeah they're really good okay now it's time for our long shot and the only long shot is Oregon State. Their over-under set at two and a half. The under is a minus 160 favorite. But I actually think their offense won't be terrible this year. Jamar Jefferson. It wasn't terrible last year. No, I, I mean, they, they were able to run the ball. Jamar Jefferson, as a true freshman, had almost 1,400 yards on the mm-hmm. ground. So that's a nice piece to build around. The receiving core is pretty good. Ryan, earlier in the episode, you brought up Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah. He's one of the best receivers in, in the conference. And Jake Luton. Back for his uh, his sixth year at quarterback. Yeah. So when and when he's healthy, he's actually not bad. Now, Ryan, what do you think about Tristan Jebbia, the backup? Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. You're not a fan. Well, he's a stud. He's huge. Just big arm, thick. <laughs> throws a rocket. <laughs> he's he's a transfer from Nebraska. I don't know. I think maybe there's some upside there. He was a big recruit, right? Yeah, just because he was from the Calabasas crew. All right, well. With Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson was the most overrated four-star wide receiver I've ever seen. All right, I just want to give Ryan a chance to bash some uh, some former Husker recruits that didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, the offense is, is okay. Now, the defense, <clears throat> I can't even quite get it out because <laughs> it, it was and is terrible. They're better than UConn. Oh. It's not quite UConn. Yeah, it was better than UConn. Yeah. But it's the worst Power 5 defense per S&P Plus in over a decade last year. So is that bad? It's it's not good. Mm. Uh, now I will say the thing I like to bring up: they were 120th in turnover margin last season. Very unlucky. <laughs> so you know I got to take the over here. Yeah, yeah. I I don't even really know what to say to the Beavers fans out there. Uh, like, good luck. Uh, yeah, but uh, but they they have some bright spots ahead. So if they just kind of stick through this next year, maybe two, there there's there's some some ball rolling in, in a positive direction. You guys, you touched on the offense, Michael. Um, the one, one receiver that you maybe didn't mention was you, you mentioned Hodgins, but they also have Trayvon Bradford. He had over 50 catches last year. So again, I'm not really concerned with the offense. 
they Ryan, I'll kind of let you probably touch on uh, your boy Tyjon adding in uh, into the sure offense. Stud, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the bear, or sorry, the bear, the Beaver fans, they're going to have at least something something good to watch on on offense. Michael, you talk about how dreadful the defense is. They were the only team in FBS last year to generate less than ten turnovers. That's pretty astounding. There you go. That's what I'm saying. They were unlucky. <laughs> so if you want, <laughs> yeah. but if you do want a bright spot. Jalen Moore, he led the team with 102 tackles. He returns, but there's just not enough there. I'm I'm going under. Yeah, wow, going under two and a half, huh? That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty. It's pretty rough. Sorry. So you mentioned Michael. You already mentioned the Nebraska transfer Tristan Jebbia. Trey, you already mentioned the Nebraska transfer Tyjon Lindsey. I'm going to mention the Nebraska transfer Avery Roberts from at linebacker. No, that's the best one. That actually probably is the best one. And the Nebraska transfer at punter. Caleb Lightborn. <laughs> yeah. It's Nebraska's like, I don't know, JV's team or something. Yeah, they got a little pipeline there. The Mike Riley pipeline. Yeah, they, they really do. They also got a transfer from Oklahoma at linebacker. Yes. I mean, they need transfers, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not high on any of the Nebraska transfers except for maybe Avery. He seemed like the one guy that had the actual talent to to really step up. He's He was a big, he was a big time recruit, uh, had good, good size, good speed at the linebacker position. He just, I don't know, for whatever reason... I think it was mostly off the field stuff that just didn't fit with Frost or whatever it was. So if he gets that figured out, I, he's a he's. I think he could be a big impact player. So the offense, I think, is going to be better. The defense can't be any worse. So and in, in the second year um, for Jonathan Smith, I think they're going to get better. Uh, I think that you take a big jump from year one to year two. So maybe they can double their win total and get to four. And that would be wow. Way that'd be over. great. That'd be great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over here. Do you guys remember our our death game from last year? The uh, Oregon State at Ohio State. We asked oh. if would you take a bet where if Ohio State won, you get ten million dollars, but if they lose, you die. <laughs> and so let's do that again this year. I've got another death bet for you. So All right. last game of the season, the Civil War. It's at Oregon. Now, if Oregon wins, I'm going to raise it because, you know, this is probably be a little closer point spread than the Oregon-Ohio State game. But if Oregon wins, you get $100 million. If they lose, you die. Are no. you taking that bet? No, I'm not. I'm not risking. No. I'm not risking my life. I'm not risking it for Oregon. I, I don't trust Oregon enough to, to do it. I mean, if you were saying they were going to go to Alabama... Yeah, I, was, I would do it. But <laughs> I was just going to ask that because Trey's like, I'm not risking my life. Yeah. It's like, okay, what if it's at Alabama, Trey? Oregon State at Alabama. I, I don't, I don't care. I'm not, I don't want the, I know that the, the, what the odds say, but I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not risking my life. Oh, I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. Oh my, heartbeat. I would do it in a heartbeat for Bama, but yeah. not, not Oregon. Cause I don't know. It, it, it could happen that the Ducks beat or that the Beavers beat them. All right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, okay. There you go. That's the Pac-12 North. Uh, but it is my turn this episode to be on the hot seat. So give me your best guys. Okay, Michael, which currently under-the-radar player will be the breakout star in the Pac-12 North? Well, he's not under the radar now because you guys brought him up earlier in the episode. It's Max Borgie, running back from Washington State. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, as a true freshman last year, he was, of course, backing up James Williams, and he was really productive. With Williams gone now, I think he's easily going to go over 1,000 all-purpose yards, probably split pretty evenly between receiving and rushing. Yeah, that's a good one. He's a perfect fit for that for that offense. Yep. 
Um, okay, Mike, uh, give us one crazy bold prediction that you were too scared to say this episode. All right, so I've obviously made my skepticism of, of Jacob Eason very clear. So I wanted to predict that Jake Hayner would win the starting quarterback job at some point this season, but everything I've read about Hayner is that he's got a weak arm, he didn't have a great spring, so I just kind of chickened out. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you're not really going with any crazy prediction, huh? He wanted to, but that's what I was scared to say. You're too scared. Yeah. Which player in the division is the best bet to be an All-American this season? So this one's close. You've actually got a lot of potential guys. At Stanford, there's four. Paulson Adebo, Walker Little, Colby Parkinson, and then, of course, the great name, Jet Toner. Washington's got Trey Adams on the O-line. There's a few guys from Oregon's offensive line or maybe even Troy Dye at linebacker. Would you guys like me to name the rest of the Pac-12 North? Or Yeah, exactly. Get Just, <laughs> that's crazy. We can sit here all day. <laughs> I'm like a Magic Johnson tweet right now. No, but ultimately, I'm going with Evan Weaver linebacker at Cal. Trey, you mentioned 159 tackles last year, and now there's no Jordan Kanashik to steal tackles from him, because I think he had 148. So Yeah, those two guys were awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mike. Would you give up your pinky to go back in time and have USC hire Chris Peterson instead of Steve Sarkeesian? Wow. I'd have to really think about that one. Yeah. Um, what do you really need your pinky for? I know. It's true. It's true. Is Can I choose my right pinky instead of my... I'm a lefty, so... Yeah. No, I, I would say no. I mean, when you have a chance to hire seven-win Sark, I think you got to take it, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> hey, got you on the right track. That was a downer, Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's close out the episode, as always, with a questionable finish. Last year's Cheez-It Bowl involving Cal and TCU was one for the ages, featuring nine interceptions and a final score of 10-7 to in overtime. Ryan, what team would you like to see Cal play this year in the Cheez-It Bowl? Uh, I would have to go with TCU. I would like to see a, a rematch of that, wow. that famous Cheez-It Bowl. But you know what? This year, I bet you it'd be like a 30-35 to type of game, just a high score and a fair, you know? I, I bet you it wouldn't. <laughs> um, I will say Oklahoma. Obviously, that's not going to happen unless it's a really disappointing season for Oklahoma. But, you know, best offense in the country against maybe the best secondary. So it wouldn't be funny, but it would be fun. I, Michael, I'm same right there with you. Just the contrast in styles. I'd love yeah. to see Oklahoma and then also see how maybe Cal's anemic offense could go up against Oklahoma's, you know, pretty pedestrian defense. All right, name something as likely as Oregon State winning the Pac-12 North. We've touched on it here, but uh, I would have to say Cal leading the conference in offense. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to say that it's as likely as uh, an Oregon fan giving Willie Taggart a compliment. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, not likely. Um, I would have to say it's as likely as Michael beating Trey in a game of golf. Oof. Yeah. Although I do have a hole-in-one, and he doesn't, so... All right. <laughs> My best score would beat his best on one hole. It would. Okay, last question. This one is just for you two. What is your crazy, bold prediction that you were too scared to say this episode? Um, Maybe the fact that I think Oregon State will not finish in the cellar in, in the Pac-12 North. I think they're going to have more wins than Colorado. Well, Colorado's not in the Pac-12 North. You got it. <laughs> Dang. You mean the Pac-12? I'm at the Pac-12, yeah. 
Okay. Just Pac-12 in general. They're not going to finish. They're going to have more wins than Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) That still would be pretty crazy. I would be... That's bold. Uh, No, mine is that I'm higher on Washington than than I thought I would be. But when I look at their schedule, I really wanted to say that they would actually go 12-0 or 11-1, but just didn't have the, the cojones to say that. So I just think they go over, but I couldn't quite pull the trigger on, on that. It's tough. All right, that'll do it for our Pac-12 North preview episode. Be sure to listen to the Pac-12 South and Championship show. That's going to drop early Thursday morning. And if you like the show, do what Rutgers Todd did. We really appreciate it. He recommended our page on Facebook. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you know what, guys? It's been a while, but I think we should end the episode with... With Uncle Bruce? Uncle Bruce. Uncle Bruce. <laughs> it is a buttersoft bamboo comfort design from top to bottom. And when I heard that, I was like, really? What is this going to feel like? And it does feel very, very comfortable. Okay. <laughs> wow. should, we, should we go back to the well with more Bruce? Sure. One more. Cushy socks and soft underwear, man, it just makes a guy feel great. All right, one more. (laughs) You name it, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that leaves your tush feeling tingly. Wow. Super tingly. Couldn't couldn't (laughs) have said it any better myself. (laughs) Thank you so much, Uncle Bruce. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you in a couple days. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Out now in paperback comes This Is What America Looks Like, the inspiring memoir from trailblazing Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Readers will discover her unbelievable journey from refugee to immigrant to one of the first Muslim members of Congress. Her story is a true multidimensional tale of an inspiring woman and all the hopes, disappointments, successes, and surprises that make up the life of an immigrant in America today. Get your copy of This Is What America Looks Like at hc.com slash Ilhan Omar or wherever books are sold. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com thisishome today.